0: Some people get stuck in the past. Some people live only in the future. And if somebody says to you, well, the only thing you should concentrate on is the present, uh, that's not exactly right either. I'm Dr. Joe Beam. Welcome to Marriage Radio. Our special guest today is Kimberly Holmes, who is the executive director and chief executive officer of Marriage Helper, the nonprofit that sponsors this. Today we are going to be talking about how do we go on from here? Do we set goals? Do we worry about all the things that have happened in the past? Because, well, we're making this toward the end of the year 2016, and that has not been a good year for many people. A lot of celebrities died during the year. Political unrest in America? I don't know if I've ever seen it higher in my lifetime. So that America seems to be divided on issue after issue after issue. And because of the fact that we work with marriages, we have heard so much from so many people about so many sad and sometimes even bad stories about marriages, what people have done, what they're involved in, how children have been affected. So what do we do about all that? Do we keep having another bad year Is 2017 just going to be an extension of 2016? Should we dread it? Should we fear it? Or should we prepare for it? Let me think about it this way, and we'll start with Kimberly in just a moment. If you really want to get somewhere in life, then you need to look three directions and then go. You say three directions? Yes, three. Look at the past, not as a hitching post, not something you tie yourself to, but something you learn from. What can I learn from the past? And then the future, not in the sense you're going to live in the future because that's unrealistic and illogical, but thinking, I can't get to where I want to go if I don't know where that is. And so when you think about the future you think about where should I want to go and how am I going to get there and then you live in the present having learned from the past having planned for the future believing one day at a time handling every, handling every obstacle as it occurs and handling every good thing as it occurs
1: That's right Joe you know just sitting here listening to you talk about that goals has been such a an important thing for for me It's been important for Marriage Helper. It's been important for my marriage. And there was really a turning point in my life where I realized how important having goals was and how really life-changing it can be to have a plan, to realize there's something that you want to achieve, and to make a plan going forward on how you're going to achieve that. And you can do it in every area of your life.
0: Absolutely. Well, we're talking about primarily relationships here, so let's start there. The first thing I suggest you to do, if you're going to prepare for 2017 to make it a far better year than was 2016 for most of us, the first thing to do, in my opinion, is to go back through the past. You say, why? Well, not to live in it, not to get bogged down in it. don't want to do that. But what can we learn from it? So, for example, if you had some kind of a marriage problem or relationship problem in 2016 or even before, look back and see what that should teach you about you. Now, I'm not trying to put you down, and I'm certainly not saying everything you've done is, everything that's happened to you, I should say, is your fault, although we do need to take responsibility for those things that we have done and for those things that really are our fault. And that takes being honest with ourselves to look back and say, okay, for example, if my spouse left me because she said that I was controlling, I need to examine that. Was I really? And if I was controlling, what do I need to do to change me about that? And then you look at it, and as you go through the past, don't take responsibility for the things that weren't your fault. For example, if somebody blames you for something, when you know good and well you didn't do it, learn from that that people are flawed and that sometimes life is unfair, but don't take that as an undue lesson about yourself. So when you look at the past, what can you learn about you that either you can strengthen and make even better, or that you need to change to become a better you? And if you want to stay in a relationship, what have you learned about your spouse? That in understanding him or her, that you using that knowledge can better plan how to go forward.
1: It boils down to two questions, really. When you're looking back over the past year, you ask yourself, first of all, what worked? What did I do that led to great conversations with my spouse? Or what did I do that I felt really good about that produced positive results in my marriage? And the second question you want to ask is, what didn't work? What is it that maybe I did that led to a fight with me and my spouse? Or what is it that I was involved in or uh, or something that perhaps I didn't realize I was doing that led to more problems and it just wasn't working? And there's some things that aren't working in your marriage that you don't have any control over. And if you don't have any control of it, it's still good to notate what those things are because there might be a time in the future where you you would be able to tackle those types of things, but really you want to focus on what you control, what you can control, what is it that worked that you did, and what is it that did not work.
0: And as part of that, assess your strengths. What do you have going for you? For example, you might be physically fit. That's the strength, believe it or not. You may be a good people person and have good social skills. That's a value. That's a strength. Look at all your assets that you have. Don't put yourself down too much. At the same time, as we have already said, be honest with yourself about your weaknesses. If you have a weakness, admit it to yourself. For example, if you're lazy, okay, write it down. You know, I really am lazy. There's something else I need to do here because I am lazy. So assess uh, assess your strengths and weaknesses, as well as what did work and what didn't work. Now, don't spend too much time on that, enough that you can get insight. But once you figure those things out, then you know the things that you need to work on to make better, the things that you can change to make things better. And this is all about you. Because when it comes to relationships, the only person you can change is you. Now, we don't want to skip the present, because your present situation may be wonderful, your present situation may be pretty sad, so you need to admit and acknowledge the present as it is before you decide to start thinking about the future.
1: That's right. A lot of times when people, when they're looking at what they've done in the past and they they come to us and they ask us questions and they say, okay, I've been doing these things. I've been uh, working on my pies, which we're going to be getting into that a little bit more in just a minute. But they say, I've been doing all of these things and it has worked. There's been times when me and my spouse have had really great conversations. There's been times where we've really made a lot of progress forward. But right now we've taken two steps back. So what do I need to do different next? And this is the point where when we're looking at the present and we're looking at the past, we say, you don't necessarily change the things that worked Because right now, you've perhaps taken two steps back. If those things have worked in the past to bring your spouse back, to talk to you, to get really great conversation going between the two of you, then instead of changing your course of action and trying to do something completely different, do more of what was working.
0: And if you're not going to change things that didn't work or things that make the relationship not good, go ahead and admit that self admit that to yourself. For example, I talked to a woman once, very dominating, very controlling woman. Her husband finally, after several years, had enough and he left her. And I was talking to her about that. And she said, I'm not going to change that. So how do I make my marriage better? And I said, well, if you're bound and determined not to change your controlling, dominating behavior and he can't tolerate your that dominating, controlling behavior, then you must understand he's not going to come back. She said, but I don't want to change. Well, that's certainly you're right. You can make that decision. That is your decision to make. But understand, when Kimberly talks about the things that did work, there are certain things that always work. For example, being kind, being gentle, not flying off the handle, being angry all the time, not being dominated and controlling, because if you do those things, they're definitely going to work against you. Being a safe place, that's a thing that'll work for you, where the other person can feel safe emotionally, to open up and talk to you without fear of censure or judgment or criticism or even humiliation, like you might laugh at them. And so while there are some key things like that that we talk about in such things as our course, Save My Marriage, that's a course, by the way, we do online. It's a 10-week-long course that we do online for people whose marriages are in problems or in difficulties when the other spouse doesn't seem to want to do anything about it. By the way, if you want to know more about that, go to Marriage Helper. That's Marriage E R.
1: it's it's your y o u r dot dot com slash save my marriage.
0: Oh, so I've been giving the wrong address all along.
1: <laughs> it redirects, but
0: okay. So your dot that's marriagehelper.com e r dot com slash save my marriage all one long word, and you can find out about that. That talks about those basic principles. So understand when you find your strengths and assets and the things you've done that work. There are some universal things that always work. Things not to do we've already said it, be angry all the time, be critical, be, com- be demanding, commanding, all that kind of stuff. Things that do work, kindness, gentleness, listening to another person, being a safe place, those things do work. All right, now, once you understand that and you say, okay, what do I want? You, it really makes a lot of sense if you actually write out word for word what you want. You think, well, no, I want, I know what I want. Maybe you do. But there's a general principle that people think much better and much more clearly when they're writing than when just they're thinking or even talking, because writing kind of crystallizes it, focuses it. And so you say, okay, what do I want? Now, as Kimberly said, this can apply to anything in life you want to do. But if you're thinking about a relationship, now the relationship might be with your teenager that has not been going well. What would you like it to be like? Or it might be with your husband or your wife. What would you really want it to be like? And be as specific as possible when you write it down. Because because you understand, if you have just nebulous ideas like, well, I want my husband to treat me like a princess, (laughs) that's not going to get you anywhere. You say, why? Because who knows when you get there. If you're going to write down what you want it to be, write down something that is clearly identifiable and that is measurable. For example, if you say, I just want my husband to love me more. I understand that, but write down some specifics as to how that will be demonstrated so that you know that he does. For example, it might be, my husband spends this much time with me. My husband openly talks with me about this, those kinds of things. And you become as specific as you can in the specific behaviors that you want to have accomplished for you, for your spouse, for your boyfriend girlfriend, for you, for your children, for your parents. You write it down as best you can, because once you can identify it that clearly and describe it that articulately, now you can actually focus yourself much better on getting there than you can on something that's just nebulous.
1: There's something called smart goals. And perhaps you've heard about it, perhaps you haven't, but smart goals, I don't I don't know who came up with it, but it wasn't us. This is something that people have, have been talking about for many, many years. And basically, they say when you're making a goal, there's an acronym, S-M-A-R-T, that you want to make sure that that goal meets the criteria of. And the S stands for specific, just as Joe was saying. You want to make sure it's specific, that it's if it's too broad, then it's going to be too hard to achieve it because you don't know exactly what you're going after. So S is specific. The M stands for measurable. Is this something that I can actually track my progress on so that I can see when I've achieved it? And the A stands for achievable. Is this something I can actually achieve? Is it something that is in the realm of getting?
0: It's possible. In other words, if my achieving is I'm going to get a million dollars next year and you don't really have a way to figure out how to do that, make it achievable. Something that you truly believe that you can do and that you really can, mm-hmm. which means don't put in there, I'm going to make my husband do this. I'm going to make my co- my child do this. You can only control you. So that's achievable right. means it has a basis in reality.
1: Absolutely. The R stands for, is it relevant? So is this goal that I'm making going to help me in my overall goal of saving my marriage, if that's your overall goal? What is your overall goal that you're working towards? And is this goal going to help you? move towards that. If you have a goal of wanting to volunteer at a rescue shelter, then that's wonderful. That's awesome. Can that correlate back to the bigger goal that you're trying to do? The T stands for trackable or time-based. So basically, there's a time frame that I'm going to do this goal within and within X amount of time, I'm going to meet that goal. So for example, if my goal is that I'm going to lose uh, 20 pounds because I'm going to be working on my pies, which we're going to get into in a minute. And the first one I want to work on is my physical attraction. Then we'd go through this and say S specific. I want to lose 20 pounds. That is specific. The M measurable. You can measure if you're losing weight by using a thing, a scale, a scale <laughs> the thing you step on. So you can measure that. Is it achievable? Is that something that, is it is it in the realm of possibility for me to lose 20 pounds within one year? For most people, it is. Uh, what's an R? So the R is, is it relevant? Is this going to help me towards reaching my overall goal? Well, if my overall goal is to make my marriage stronger, to bring my husband back to me, and me being more physically attractive is going to help that happen, then yes, this is relevant. And then T, time-based or trackable. So Within X amount of time, I will be able to lose 20 pounds, and I will be able to complete that goal.
0: And so every week or every two weeks, you put on a chart how much that you've lost, Mm -hmm. how much exercise that you've done, et cetera. Now, when we say relevant, understand this is not just for marriages that are in trouble. If you just want to make your own marriage good, for example, use the example that Kimberly just did about losing 20 pounds or whatever that might be. Or it might not be even in terms of pounds. If you're more into that kind of thing, you're probably more into inches than pounds. I want to lose this many inches off my waist or gain this many inches on my chest if you're a guy i got to work out, etc. Those are not just things you do to save bad marriages. They actually help good marriages get better. Not just because of the physical attraction, but the better shape you're in physically the better your sex life. And so all of these things work. Now, Kimberly's mentioned pies a couple of times. Pies is something that we came up with several years ago because I was doing a lot of research and reading other research about what attracts people to each other. Now, if you actually go out there and look at the scholarly research on that, it is ample. I mean, there's everything you can imagine. There's even studies about breast size. There's studies about, I mean... You'd, I can't even tell you all the things because some of them you'd go, really? And then we'd get off track here. And so I tried to synthesize all of that research out there about what attracts one person to another. And I finally did. And then I started teaching that to counselors and therapists. And we call it PIES, P-I-E-S. Now, it's an acronym. P stands for physical, and we'll discuss that more in just a couple of minutes. But often it's the first thing that would attract us to another person because of the fact it's the first thing that we are exposed to unless our first exposure was not in person. Hmm. If your exposure was over the Internet, then the physical becomes less important as the first attractor. But physical attraction. And then there's I. That's intellectual attraction because you might find one person physically extremely attractive But once you were around him or her, you'd realize you don't want to be around that person. They're so blooming egotistical or whatever. Intellectual attraction basically says this. We have enough in common that we can talk to each other. That we're on generally the same level, not just necessarily of intelligence, but of understanding so that we can communicate, that one of us doesn't feel superior or inferior to the other, that we can truly understand each other. And then emotional basically says that I do things that evoke emotions within you that you enjoy feeling. And if you do things that are invoking emotions within me that I enjoy feeling, then we're emotionally attracted to each other. And finally, spiritual. Now, in this sense, even though I am a religious person, we're not talking about religion. In this sense, we're talking about beliefs and values. Beliefs are those things that people hold to be true. Values are how they expect people to act based on what they believe to be true. And so I find myself attracted to people who have similar beliefs and values to me, who have the same sort of beliefs about what's right and what's wrong and how people should act, or even attracted to people that I perceive as having superior beliefs and values to mine. Like, wow, I think your belief system's even better than mine and what you expect of people I like even more. Now, there is a, a, a negative side to that one, but that's not relevant to this conversation. So understand the P-I-E-S, physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. It's applicable to every relationship that can involve any kind of romance or love that attracts two people together. It's what it attracts people. So Kimberly, using everything we've talked about so far, how do we put that together?
1: When you're looking at your pies, first of all, as we were going through it, as Joe was explaining it, in your mind, you were probably already self-assessing yourself. You probably already started thinking, okay, physically, I could probably work on a couple of these areas, intellectually, maybe these things emotionally, and then spiritually. So if I were to be working on my pies, which I am, I try to always work on my pies because we try to practice what we preach, but I would say, okay, what are the things that I am lacking the most in. And some of these, we'll get to this in a minute, but there's actually one of them, in my opinion, Joe might disagree with me, we'll have to see, but there's one of the pies that's actually the most important to focus on in a relationship. But for right now, I would say, okay, which is the one that I might be lacking on most? Which is the one that I need to increase myself on? So for me right now, it probably would be intellectual. What are the things I'm I'm too focused on on certain things that I'm doing I'm probably not developing myself enough so that me and my husband can have other things to talk about other than what we always talk about which is work and politics. So what is it that I can advance my mind, open my mind, start thinking about new things, start doing things like that in order to increase my husband's intellectual attraction to me, but also for me to feel better about myself when I go out into maybe parties or social situations, so I'm able to talk more to people and be more fascinating to people. So based on that, I would then make a goal intellectually. What do I want to do? What do I want that to look like in 2017? And how am I going to work towards that?
0: Right. Now, I understand, and Kimberly just made this point, but I want to make sure you hear it. Ultimately, the pies are for you. Understand that. It's about your own physical condition, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. Now, we obviously always talk about it in terms of how it does attract another person to you, but you do it for you. That makes it very important. Now, as you do that... the physicals kind of obvious, like, you know, I, I need to lose 20 pounds or I need to lose 12 inches off my waist, whatever, those kinds of things. Or I need to, to build up my muscles again because I've been sick. So let's move to the ones that are a little bit more difficult to do, like the intellectual. Now, this is the one that's going to be more difficult to be specific about because you just say, well, I want to know more. That's not specific. I want to be a better conversationalist. That's not specific. Mm-hmm. And so specifically, you would say something like, hmm, I think I'd like to know more about psychology. As a matter of fact, I think I'd like to know more about uh, the psychology of love or the psychology of uh, relationships or even abnormal psychology, whatever. And that then gives you a place to start. And you say, okay, what would I like to know about it? I'd like to have a level of understanding at it that mm, would probably be at least equivalent to a college graduate. Or maybe if you're beyond that, a college, uh, a PhD, whatever you want to go after. But you make it as specific as you can. Now, if you're going to make it measurable, then you've got to figure out. If I'm going to get there, what would it be like if I got there? And that's when you run it out specifically. Now, when you get it that specific, that's when you can figure out how to measure it. So if it's like, hmm, I should be able to read a, um, a college level textbook on psychology and have an understanding of at least 75% of it as I read the book, because I've already learned that much. Okay. That becomes measurable. You can do that. And then the A is?
1: The E. Hmm? Oh, for the SMART goals is achievable.
0: Okay. And you decide whether you can achieve that or not. Now, if you're working 67 hours a week and you've got five children under 10 at home and you're a single mom, that might not be achievable to do in a year. Mm-hmm. But it might be achievable to do in two mm-hmm. or three. And then you can even do it like this. Hmm. I think what I'll do is I'll start taking online courses in psychology. I think I'll do it that way. Mm -hmm. And then you make it where it's achievable and then relevant. Is it really relevant to where you want to go or is it just something that you're mildly curious about? Because there's so many different things in life you can do so many different things in life you can learn. If you're going to do that, it makes sense to pick something that's relevant to your life, Mm -hmm. to your future. Even if you're thinking about relationships to your relationship, and so in the case of, uh, well, like Kimberly and her husband, Rob, Rob is very interested in politics. Maybe she decides she's going to learn something about the underlying principles of political science or something like that.
1: I'm, I might should read the Constitution.
0: That, <laughs> that might be the best
1: place for me
0: to start. Because he's regularly quoting the Constitution. <laughs> he's always quoting it. Well, not just reading the Constitution. It'd be something like, I'm going to read the Constitution and read five other books about the constitution or something Mm -hmm. like that. And then what was the T trackable? Well, that means you write down your success. Here's an interesting thing about tracking success toward a goal. The closer you get to the end, the more motivated you become. In other words, if you make little progress at all, well, we'll go back to physical. So I need to lose 20 pounds and I've been in it for three months and I've lost one pound. I tend to lose interest, Mm -hmm. but if I'm actually trackably finding that I'm, you know, I lost a pound, another pound, another pound. When I get to 15 pounds, I'm really motivated now. Mm -hmm. So the closer you get to that, the better off it is. All right. So that's kind of an idea about intellectual attraction. Choose something that's really interesting to you that you really care about. If you have a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever, even a kid Like your kid's a teenager and you're finding you don't have things to talk about anymore, but you find out that your kid is really interested in astronomy. Mm. Like he just loves knowing about the planets and the stars and space. And you really want a better relationship with him. And you also have some interest in that. Then that's how you plan to intellectually grow. What about emotional, Kimberly?
1: Emotional attraction is the most important type of attraction
0: For long-term relationships.
1: For long-term relationships. And basically, as Joe said earlier, this is when you're saying, or the emotional attraction is saying that I feel safe around this person. It goes, it starts with a foundation of friendship. Back when you and your spouse started in a relationship, maybe you started dating, but you built your relationship on asking each other questions, learning a lot about each other you would respond to each other in ways that even if you didn't agree with what your spouse said to you at that time, wasn't your spouse yet, you were still very compassionate, very empathetic. You wanted to understand life the way that your spouse was living life or the way your spouse interpreted their life. that's how you build this emotional attraction back when it first started. But as we progress in relationships and after we get married we become so comfortable with where we are that we lose sight of that foundation and you know it it as it goes the people that we feel closest to are oftentimes the people that we start hurting the most because we we feel so safe with them and we lose track of the way that we should treat them and the way that we should respond to them so emotional attraction is saying what have can i do to make the relationships that I'm in be safe for that person, whether it's your husband, maybe it's your child, maybe it's a parent, whoever, what can I do to make sure that they feel safe around me? And it's really important to be able to do this.
0: Yeah. And that's the basis. You're absolutely right. But it's even beyond that. It's fun. It's anything that I do that evokes emotions within any other person that he or she enjoys feeling. And safety is always the key. It's the foundation. Kimberly's dead on, dead on with that. But it can also be things like we laugh together or we had fun doing this together. Sometimes, for example, in one of our Facebook groups that is for people whose marriages are in trouble, they'll say things like, well, my husband came around yesterday. We haven't had much conversation in the last four months, but we, we sat around and we talked and we laughed for a while. And then typically they'll, they'll ask a question like this in the group. Why do you think he did that? <laughs> Where what I'm thinking is, hey, that was an emotional attraction. Mm-hmm. You did something that evoked emotions within him that he enjoyed feeling. Rather than asking why he did that, figure out how to do more of that. Yeah. Do things that, of course, make the other person feel safe. That's always the key. But the things that evoke any emotion within the other person that here or she enjoys feeling. Then we're not telling you should be hypocritical here or manipulative. We're not talking about that. We're talking about sincerely being a good, warm person that the other person enjoys being around.
1: Absolutely. And so to do this emotional attraction, I'll just give an example of of me, because I know that what you do to evoke the emotions in another person that they like can be very different from person to person. There's some concepts of it that are universal Mm -hmm. make them feel safe this that and the other but another part of it is the way that your spouse interprets the things that you do so in my relationship it i'm an extrovert my husband's an introvert when you look at us on a personality scale we're opposite in many ways he's uh what we call a calculator in many ways, where he wants things in his place. He's very uh, analytical, logical, things kind of go by the book, not a very emotional person. I am the opposite, more of a free spirit, more spontaneous, don't necessarily do things by the book. So in order for me to do things that evoke emotions in him that he likes, it's not me approaching him and saying, we need to talk about our marriage or we need to talk about this specific problem because these fireworks go off in his head of this is bad this because of the way it's been over the years it's always whatever she's about to say is going to be bad it's going to be emotional i'm not going to be able to comprehend it i'm going to need time and it's going to end in a fight because that's how it's been you know for the first five years of our marriage before we figured this out that's how it was so I had to learn that for me to evoke that emotional safe place for him, I don't I need to approach a conversation in a way that he doesn't get defensive. So I don't need to approach him saying you did this wrong because it's not going to end well. Instead, I started out by asking him questions. Hey, um do you remember the other day when we did when we were talking about this and you said that I just, I've been thinking about it. Do you think that, uh, I'm not giving a good example, but I really try and go about approaching him in those ways by asking questions and having a conversation with him because when I do that, he feels safe. He doesn't feel like I'm attacking him for something that he's done. Instead, we talk about it back and forth. I get to understand why he maybe did the things the way he did. He gets to hear about why I felt the way I felt. But he never feels threatened by the conversation. I just have to do a roundabout way of approaching it. So, for me, if I was gonna make that a goal and I had to track it, it would say, okay, I'd start with what's working. What works is for me to approach him in a certain way about topics. So, if we're gonna do this smart, SMART goals, it has to be specific. So, specifically, if I have an issue with my husband where he's hurt my feelings, where things haven't gone well, Specifically, I need to approach him without ha- him feeling threatened. Now, it's hard to it can be hard to measure these emotional things because it's not necessarily tangible. You can't put your hands on it, you can't put it on a scale. You m- might not have data for it, but the way that you can measure it, at least in my situation is gauging the reaction. So, if I if I approach him in a certain way and the reaction is negative, I know that the next time I need to approach it a different way. Is it achievable? Can I achieve learning how to approach my spouse in a way that is going to benefit our relationship and not hurt it? Yes, it's just going to take a while perhaps to get it. Is it relevant? Absolutely. Is it, is it uh, time-oriented? Is there a time track that can beat on it? There is, but it's also something I know I'm going to have to work with every step of the way. But I can make it a point saying, okay, over the next month, what I'm going to do is when I get angry at my husband for something, I'm going to wait 24 hours before I even try to approach him. After I wait 24 hours, I'm going to try to approach him in a time where he feels comfortable, where he's not angry at something else, making sure that the time is right. And then when I do, I'm going to start it by asking questions and not being attacking. That's how it would
0: look. And there are other ways to measure it as well. That's very good, Kimberly, extremely good. But things like my wife just likes to spend time just with me. And so if I say, let's go for a ride to the country, that evokes emotions within her that she enjoys feeling. Now, I can measure that. Like, okay, once every six weeks, we're just going to take off and drive for a day. And so I can track that. So you do it as best you can. Now, this last one is a little bit more difficult for some people to grasp, which is spiritual. You say, okay, what are you talking about? Okay, listen to a couple of things here. And we realize that a lot of people who listen to this are religious people, and that's fine. We are not in any sense trying to put that down. And if you are a religious person, for example, if you are a Christian, for example, if you want to grow in your Christianity, good for you. That's a good goal to set. But again, remember, set it in some way that is specific. Like, uh, I want to be able to pray every day, And so I'm going to work up to that, and here's how I'm going to do that. Or I want to know this much more about my Bible. I think I'll take some Bible correspondence courses or whatever it might be. But in addition to those spiritual things that are religious, which are good, we're talking about beliefs and values. And it's interesting that a lot of people, even religious people, have not really assessed their own beliefs and values. You say, what do you mean? For example, you might find a person that goes to a church that preaches peace and love and then you hear this person saying vitriolic things, angry, mean, prejudicial things towards somebody because his or her skin is a different color. You say, oh, wait a minute now. How does that go along with your your gospel of love, your, your belief that you should love all humankind? And so it would really be a good thing to assess your past, present, and future when it comes to your beliefs and values, which is the spiritual attraction. What is it that I really, truly believe? Now, how does that really honestly affect my actions? Because if I believe that we should be loving, but I'm treating some people pretty badly, then my beliefs and values are not in sync. What is that telling me then? It's telling me that that belief is not truly my belief. It's just something that I say. It's the religion I talk, not the religion that I live. Now, if you really want to have the best relationship with you, and if you're uh believe that God exists, I do in the greatest relationship with him, it's to first of all identify what are your real true beliefs, and you can often find them out by just looking at your actions. Mm-hmm. what do you do because those are your values, get those in sync and if you discover that that your values, the things you do and expect of other people are not the things that really you wish to do, then work on your beliefs. What I mean is, what do I need to look at? What do I need to understand differently? What do I need to grow in here? Now, not only does that make me more attractive to me, and obviously helps my relationship with God, it really, really helps relationships with other people, particularly children, because they will see your inconsistencies. And by the way, Everybody has some of them, but they will see your inconsistencies. And if you're in a relationship with another person who has beliefs and values, if they see your inconsistencies, as a matter of fact, we hear this a lot from couples who are in trouble. One will say to the other, yeah, I know the religion that you preach, you teach, that you claim is true, but I also see the way you act. I hear the language you use. I see the way you treat me and treat other people. And so don't give me that holier-than-thou stuff because I know you don't really believe that anyway, because I know what you do. So being consistent between your beliefs and values. So what do you do there? Look to the past. How does my behavior teach me what I really, truly believe? Now, what do I need to believe differently or ch- want to believe differently, and how do I accomplish that? Be specific. I want to learn how to live more in love. I once to ask a pastor. I said, if I were to ask, I said, do you preach on a thing called unconditional love? He said, yeah. I said, what do you understand it to be? It's when you love the other person, no matter what he or she does. That's unconditional love. I said, and you think that's the way it should be? He said, yes. I said, so if I were to ask your wife if you love her unconditionally, what would she say? He paused for quite a while, and he finally said she would probably say she feels loved only when she's meeting my conditions. All right, now you can become specific. You can start writing down, if I truly believe that we should have unconditional love, now what can I write specifically to identify how I would demonstrate that to my wife to my children etc cetera, etc cetera. and once you get a specific then uh, what's the next measurable i got to start measuring that somehow and part of that measurement and things like that maybe asking the other person how do you feel do you feel i love you unconditionally if you've made it safe enough for them to give you an honest answer
1: absolutely the next one is relevant which this absolutely is because if you're looking to make a relationship stronger, then the other person being able to feel unconditionally loved is absolutely relevant. Uh, the next one is trackable.
0: And so what you're going to do is you're just going to make notes. Here's where I want to get we Here are some of the states that get there. You may remember that, uh, Oh, it was several years ago, seven.
1: The ha- uh, habits of highly effective. People. There you
0: go. I went blank for a second there. He said, start with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. When you can clearly identify where you want to go, that's the best thing. Then back up one step. Okay, what would it be just before that? And then back up another step. What would it be just before that? Now, as you look through all these things, when you understand what you want to achieve, sometimes you're going to have to figure out, okay, what resources do I need? I may need to go see a therapist about my, my anger problem. I may go see a, need to go see a minister for a Bible study because of my spiritual problem. You, you then get the resources together to make it happen so that you truly can do these things. Now, remember, the only person you can change is you. And all of this is about making you a better person. Now, if you're thinking, okay, so if we're having marriage problems, that ensures the other person comes back? No. There's a lot more to it. But this is crucial as a first step, all these things we've been talking about. And if anything works, this will. If anything works, This will. But if you keep doing things the same way, you're going to keep getting the same results. And it kind of bothers me when people whine, 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 and don't change anything that they do Mm -hmm. and wonder why things aren't getting better.
1: Listening to this podcast isn't going to change anything. You doing what we are telling you to do is what's going to make all the change in the world. All the time, people say, well, what do I do next? What do I do next? And we've told them. We've told them what to do, what works. They're just not implementing it. You implementing it is what makes all of the difference.
0: Yeah, I read that on the Facebook group the other day. A guy said, you know, Joe's been telling me to do this for two years. (laughs) And I finally did it and it worked. (laughs) Now, understand that when we, quote, tell you, end quote, we always say it's always your choice. You make your own decisions. I will not tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what we've seen. I'm going to tell you what we've learned. We're going to tell you what we see work for other people. But it's always your choice. Therefore, I'm never going to say, do that, because it's your life, and you have to face the consequences I don't. But we give some pretty solid suggestions. We work with hundreds of thousands of people over the years. We've seen a lot about what works and what doesn't work. We do know everybody's unique and individual. Sometimes the thing that works for everybody else won't work for you. We realize that. But do something. Don't be like that person that says, I have a headache. Well, you got something to take? Yeah, take it. An hour later, man, my head's hurting. Did you take it? No. Well, take it. An hour later my head's killing me. Ah. Don't be that person. You can do this. Now if you're thinking, but you don't understand. I'm so down, I'm so low, I'm so depressed, I just don't have the energy to do it. I know how that feels. I recently went through major abdominal surgery and for weeks was just totally down after that. Sometimes you just need to just chill for a little while, let other people be around you and support you. But if you stay like that, it's not going to work. At some point, you've got to get up and say, it's time to go. Now, if you need to go see your doc and get some medicine to help you do that, I mean something that's an antidepressant or anti-anxiety or whatever, then do that as you need it. But If you just sit there doing nothing, you're going to keep getting what you got.
1: We are here for you all next year, every year. But in 2017, we're committed to saving marriages and strengthening families. That is what Marriage Helper is here for. That's what we're going to do. And we have a goal to save 10,000 marriages in the next five years by 2021 to save 10,000 marriages. And we want yours to be a part of it. And we have so much that we can offer you on our website. We have articles, we have all of these podcasts, go ahead and subscribe to them so that you can get them every time that they're released. It's really great information. And I'm not just saying that on one of our Facebook groups the other day, a huge post ended up going out about people saying how glad they were they found Marriage Helper. They only wish they had found it sooner. Then they started talking about these other websites and the advice other people gave, like having a, a revenge affair. Oh, okay. Or if your husband or wife has had an affair, wait two years before you decide to forgive them.
0: Oh, good, great.
1: And just they went on and on. And I'm thinking, how I don't know how people like that can live with themselves for giving that kind of advice. But we are here for you. We've worked with thousands and thousands of people and we are passionate about what we do. Every single person on our team is passionate and we all, this isn't a job, this is a calling for every single one of us. And next year, we're going to have 24 workshops in in Tennessee. We're going to have many different online courses that we're going to be releasing, some new stuff, we're going to be doing some live events. We're excited about 2017, and we are here to serve you no matter what situation your marriage may be going through. It's not too far, far gone, and there's always hope.
0: And so when we say we want to help save 2,000 marriages, understand ultimately, I'm 10, sorry, 10,000 10, 10, marriages, 10, 000 <laughs> 000 marriages. That ultimately means just what we've been saying in this program. You have to do the work you need to do. I can't come in and save your marriage. Mm -hmm. We can show you how. We can teach you how. Right. And that's what we exist for. But ultimately, you have to get up off your rear end (laughs) and do what needs to be done. Kimberly, thank you for being our special guest on this program.
1: Thank you, Jeff.
0: And we should be back next week with another topic about relationships. Until then, it's Dr. Joe Beam saying goodbye.